Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast. This is episode three of WDW Tales that uh, that I'm chronicling my uh, history of working at the theme parks in Orlando for a good portion of my youth. And uh, this, as I mentioned, episode three. So we've got the the first two I talked about. And uh, if you've listened to the first two, thanks, and I hope you're enjoying it. And thanks for tuning into the third one. And uh, I'm really enjoying putting these together. So. I hope you're getting as much uh, enjoyment and entertainment out of it as I am. And uh, if this is the first one you're starting with, welcome. I hope you go back and listen to the other ones because uh, you know I have a lot to share. And so hopefully, uh, as I do these, you'll get a good sense of what it's like to be a cast member and all those experiences that sometimes the guests don't see because they're uh, they're too busy having a good time. So what I wanted to do today is talk a little bit about my first attractions job. And uh, if you listen to one and two, you'll notice that I've been working kind of chronologically. Uh, what I might do in the future is kind of jump in and out of different points in time, just because there's so many things to talk about. Uh, you know, I want to make sure that I, I give it enough time to talk through it and, and don't feel like I have to go through a chronological order of all the things that I've done. Uh, not to mention, I probably don't remember how these these happened in sequence. Uh, but I can tell you for episode three, uh, this is chronological. And this is my shift from Adventureland merchandise and Magic Kingdom Super Greeting to uh, attractions at Epcot. And uh, my first foray into working the rides. So I hope you're excited uh, to listen about this. I sure am excited to tell it. So... Let's talk about the attractions. So when I last left you guys, I was working at Adventureland Merchandise, and it was good. It was fun, uh, but the uh, excitement and adventure uh, was just not fully what I wanted it to be. Um, I really had a an urge to do something more, and I've always wanted to work the attractions. If you recall from episode one, I tried to actually get a job in attractions when I first tried uh, my, my luck at Disney, and unfortunately it wasn't available, but uh, over the course of about a year, um, my brother, who was working at Spaceship Earth at the time, I think it was at Spaceship Earth, yeah, he was at Spaceship Earth, and he uh, had a friend of his who actually became my sister-in-law, but they were dating at the time, and uh, he mentioned to her that uh, you know he had a brother that worked in Adventureland, and was pretty, uh, you know, pretty tired of it all. And, and to, to be totally frank, I was. I could only um, pack so many shells and sell so many ponchos. And uh, I was very jealous when I'd see the Jungle Cruise skippers or the Pirates of the Caribbean cast members, you know, going on break or heading in for the day. And there I was in my little shop just watching it all go by. Uh, so he mentioned this to her and she had a lot of friends in, uh, in Epcot attractions. She had been pretty established in the park. And so she um, hunted around and found that there were some opportunities at Journey into Imagination. And this was the Journey into Imagination that <clears throat> is no longer there. Uh, it is before all the figment stuff. It was still the original with Dreamfinder and a great ride. Uh, such a, a fan favorite, but uh, one that tended to be skipped 
unless it was busy, so a lot of guests would pass by. You kind of ride it once and be done with it if you're not a big fan of Disney. And, and uh, it's quite sad, actually, because there's so much detail that went into that ride. There's just a lot of, um, there's a lot of love. You know, there's a lot of, of dedication and care that went into designing that ride. And so when I got the call from casting saying, hey, there's a, there's an opening and someone requested you to go work there. Are you interested? And I jumped at the chance and I you know, I said, thank you to Adventureland. And I had a great experience and I could work a cash register like nobody's business and pack shells like you wouldn't believe, gang. But I said, thank you. I'll always love Adventureland. I'll always love Magic Kingdom. But I really was excited to get to Epcot. Epcot had always been my favorite park for the longest time. I was such a fan of Horizons and the Living Seas and the Universe of Energy and Body Wars and the original World of Motion and even the some of the, the countries. I always loved going to Epcot and learning. Of course, Epcot now is just a sad ugly mess of what it once was that uh, anyone who's a, a Disney fan will tell you it's just a veritable crap show of whatever. Um, but back then, it was a, a very exciting park for me, a very boring park for the guests. Uh, but uh, that didn't bother me so much because I was going to go and work my first attraction, uh, Journey and Imagination. And I was really, really excited. I didn't even care that the costumes were purple pants with a blue stripe and then a blue shirt with a yellow sleeve and a pink sleeve. And I think it was a purple belt, yellow belt. I can't recall, but it was a horrible, ugly, ugly costume. But uh, I didn't care. I I didn't care. So uh, I think what I'd love to do first is kind of talk you through the attraction a little bit. For those who have never ridden the original, uh, it's... It was something. It was. Uh, it was really that uh, that quintessential Disney dark ride. You know, you had your Omni movers or your vehicles, and they were basically stacked four to a pod, and that pod would would run on its own on a track. Um, and and basically, what would happen is you would start at the load area, and then you would go through <clears throat> this ride. Uh, you'd go through the what we call the turntable, and the turntable was the scene where you first met the Dreamfinder and and figment and he was in the uh you know the big flying blimp like uh type of machine so what you would do is you would kind of go in and your car would turn and the scene would move with the car so you would basically be you would be fixed in sync with that show scene so it'd be you and three other cars and the Dreamfinder scene, and there are actually four of those. So as you were starting that scene, another pod of four cars would come in and they would get the exact same show scene, but duplicate. And that's how the attraction um, you know, kind of moved through uh, so many people at the same time. So you could get a full scene. You could get something more than just a quick glimpse of the story. You got a, f- a full introduction of the Dreamfinder and Figment. And as you left... And I wish I remembered more of it. I should because I've ridden that thing so many times. But as you, uh, as you basically went around, you would uh, you'd you'd visit Dreamfinder and Figment in a lot of different situations. So one of them was uh, <clears throat> was a big art scene. Um, so it was a, a land of fantasy where there were uh, big paintings and a carousel of horses, and it was very purple and blue, and uh, you know very. Uh, 
magical, I guess is the term you could use. But there were some other scenes that you would go through next and you would go in and you would um, see a, a mystery story or uh, a lot of monsters and figment would hold back this gigantic book of monsters. And then there were some scenes about theater and science uh, where you would basically rotate again and you would see all these different films of uh, crystals and figment doing all these you know different situations he was a rock climber he was a magician he was a dancer and uh and then finally at the end of the ride <clears throat> excuse me finally at the end of the ride he would take a picture of you and uh and it basically said you know you're the star it's your imagination and, and that song imagination would go through over and over and over again in a lot of different versions and variations as you went through the ride and, uh, and then you would hop off and and uh, go upstairs to what was called the Image Works, which is now, sadly, a Disney Vacation Club Lounge. Just another, you know, just don't get me started. But you would go upstairs, and there were a lot of different, at the time, very, very um, futuristic type of pieces of, of technology to help express yourself. You could um, take a picture of yourself and and on a TV screen, and then you could change that picture. You could alter it. You could give yourself a funny nose or a hat. Uh, then you uh, had these big tables and they were pins and you would kind of put your hand underneath the pin and make the outline. There are also uh, places where you could um, step on tones. I think they were called stepping tones where it was light that projected on the ground but as you stepped on that, that projection it would make a sound. So there were drum sets and violins and flutes and then there was this long corridor that would light up in different colors as you passed through it so the, col- the colors would follow you and uh, so many other just fun opportunities to, to kind of just let loose up in the image works. There's also the Dreamfinder School of Drama, which uh, leveraged chroma key or blue screen technology to put you in different situations. One, you were a uh, Western, you were a cowboy, and then one, you were also in some um, fantasy, uh, some um, fantasy space exploration where you would run into like this bad guy. Uh, who was like a you know king of this evil planet and you would have to dance and you would you know f- f- go through a rocket ship and one of the bad cowboys in that in that episode would shoot at your feet and you'd have to dance and uh, it was fun for the guests it was terrible for the cast members and I could talk about that later but then also uh, just going down a little bit uh, there was Honey I Shrunk the Audience which used to be Captain EO with Michael Jackson but when I got there it was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. So you have, would have a pre-show with Kodak, like a very tearjerker, you know, heartwarming story um, to the song True Colors. And then you would go into the show and see Dr. Wayne Zielinski from Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, except this time he shrunk the audience. You know, something terribly goes wrong like it does in every, every Disney attraction. But let's talk about, uh, let's talk about uh, Journey and Imagination today because there's a, there's a lot to talk about, and I think I could focus just on that one. So when I first started at Journey into Imagination, I was uh, I, I knew nothing about attractions. I knew nothing. Like I thought there were these big technological advances, and you know, for the most part they are, but it's funny because this ride was built in 1983. You know, it was basically opened with the park, and it was like this old touchscreen technology you know, to make sure the ride went, and when I say touchscreen, I don't mean advanced, like your iPhone touchscreen. It was like light based. So you could, you would have to hit the button like 15 times for it to go and mash, mash the button on the screen to make, make the ride go. And it, it never seemed to work right. But, uh, 
there is so there was um, the positions a lot of positions there was um, there's a greeter position that was easy enough you just kind of stand outside and say hi to everybody or if the honey or shrink the audience attraction let out or if the land or kitchen cabaret let out and people came to the ride you maybe have to open up one extra line of queue but there was never a line I think I was my whole time working there I think the longest we ever got to was like 30 minutes and that was Christmas and even that was uh was tough too, but it was a high capacity attraction, so it was easy to get through. Uh, but let's see, so if you went in, and then there was uh, there were two positions. There was a load, I think a load one and a load two. So load one basically sat in front of the console. As you walked in and you got ready to board, you would sit at the console and you would, um, you know, basically if anything happened, you were there to hit the e stop. That was really it. You didn't have to do anything else. As, as long as everything was running, you had you just had to make sure it was running. And then load two, I think, was the person who said how many in your party, and they would stick you in the, the car. And uh, load two was always fun because um, there was nobody there. So you could kind of mess around a little bit, and with load one, you could have you know, a little bit of fun. Now, there's a time where a guy, uh, <clears throat> I can't remember his name, but there a guest, or there's a kid who came up and was getting ready to ride and he had a like a beanie on like a mickey mouse beanie and on the top of the beanie had one of those propellers and the guy loaded him on the loaded him on the car and went to spin his beanie went to spin the propeller and he hit it so hard the whole thing just shattered like just broke everywhere like in the track hit other guests completely broke the kid's hat and just then the door closed and they went off into the ride. <laughs> We're like, oh, well, we better do something when he gets off. So we had to scramble and there used to be a gift shop just right outside the uh, exit. And I don't think they had it, but he called, you know, the merchandise guy called over and uh, and found another one. So when the kid got off the ride, they, uh, <laughs> they, they had one for him. Uh, there was another time that... I basically said to a little kid, I said, if you can find all the hidden Mickeys on this ride, then we'll we'll get you something from the gift shop, whatever you want. Thinking that they could never find, there's about three hidden Mickeys in there and uh, and a hidden Bonnie Appetit, which I'll tell you in a second. But So she came off the ride and she was like, here it is, here it is. And, this, and I was like, okay, so let's go over to the gift shop. And she picked like this $200 figment. It was like the size of her. And the merchandise guy's like, I can't give that away. And I was like, ah, yeah, you totally can. It's cast empowerment. Just give it away. And he's like, oh, I got to call my manager. And so then it took like 20 minutes and the manager showed up and the, the, the parents were mad because it's such an ordeal. And the kid ended up getting it. But uh, I, I got a little bit of a talking to in terms of what you can and can't give away at Disney World. I was like, you guys make billions of dollars. You can give away a figment. It's fine. Everybody back to work. <laughs> Don't worry about it. So that's the load section. And then at unload was probably the most gut-wrenching, horrible, boring job in the history of all rides and attractions. And that is the unload position. And unload, because the way the ride was designed. So remember how I mentioned that there are four cars per pod. So sometimes the cars, the pods don't catch up with each other, each other, and there's a bubble. There's basically a bubble of where the ride thinks that there are a pod of cars, but there's really nothing there. So it's not a synchronous traction at all. There's points where it stops. And due to that bubble, they could never install a moving walkway at, at the unload. So like a Horizons where you would get off and have a moving walkway, 
This one had a stationary walkway. So when the doors would open, people would stick their foot out and put it on the carpet and the ride would still be moving. They would just be thinking, oh yeah, well, the carpet's not moving, but I'm sure it'll stop. And it doesn't stop. So you'd have to say every single time, please stand and watch your step. Please stand and watch your step. And you would do this for like, if someone was on lunch, you'd be out there for like an hour and a half just saying it over and over. It's like a clockwork orange. You just have to deal with it. And I hated that position so much. Plus, it was around the corner from everything else, so you were really isolated. Every once in a while, we'd have an unload too, but that was very, very rare. So you'd be stuck kind of doing your thing. And it was uh, just... A terrible, terrible job. But uh, the other fun thing was when you were at Unload, you could see the photos that were taken of people uh, because that's the last scene before they come around at the end. And you'd be surprised the amount of things that I saw that you probably shouldn't see in a ride because there was no, there was nobody sitting there and, and you know blacking out the photos. There was nothing like you'd see at Splash Mountain or if somebody you know flipped off the camera or said something else, they would black it out. This is just part of the ride. So you would see all these pictures and you'd see like a couple and they'd be handsy or someone would do something and they'd come around the corner and they'd see me and they'd be like, oh, and I was like, yeah, please stand and watch your step. <laughs> yeah, that you had to keep yourself busy into some capacity. So that was downstairs and you'd go upstairs to Imageworks. And as I mentioned before, Imageworks would have that Dreamfinder School of Drama, the blue screen piece, and you would have to... Go load everybody in. The show was about two and a half minutes. You have to load everybody in, and then you'd hit a button to start the whole thing. And then you had two and a half minutes to kind of walk around or, or do whatever. And uh, and so you would um, you try to keep yourself occupied. But what I like to do, I always like to go out in the atrium and look out the class, you know, the big pyramid, and kind of look at the park. I always wish I got pictures of that area because it was nice. You know, the music, the background music was great. And it was just kind of, kind of a soothing area. It was always quiet up there. You kind of walk away from all the craziness, and it was just quiet. And Kodak used to have this photo competition where they would you know, change out the photos every three months or so for these folks who won photo competitions. So I'd stand up there and watch, and, and, and you just kind of enjoy the moment. Uh, but there was also, within the Imageworks upstairs, there were a, a lot of areas that kept... Uh, that were kept behind the scenes just because the way the ride was built. So if you were walking, uh, if you walked inside a little bit and you're headed towards um, the stepping tones piece of the attraction, there was this, uh, there was this door on the right, actually two doors, and it was always locked. But uh, if you had a credit card, if you had your, your ID, you could jimmy the lock back a little bit. And it took you into the the air conditioning room. It was this big, you know, non-themed storage type area that uh, where all the air, air ducts were but there was also some stairs and those stairs led down to the projection room the projection for uh, uh the the part of the ride of journey imagination where um figment kind of does his the, all the different scenes of figment on screen so you'd go down there and you could sit in this little area and all these projectors and this is a tiny little area and it was like 100 degrees in there but you could sit where all these little projectors are and you could see through the screen so you could look at the people into this, what, what at the time was a very like technologically advanced room. Now it's basically, you know, a bunch of laser discs. Um, so it wasn't, it's not that big anymore, but it was a good place to kind of hide when you could. Um, so if Dreamfinder School of Drama was not working, then you basically had a free, 
a free pass uh, up in the image works because if someone was going on lunch and you had a 45 minutes or an hour break or an hour up there, you would totally just hide. <laughs> you would be like, ah, let the guests do whatever they want to do. I'm going to go sit and relax and chill out and do whatever. <laughs> and so a bunch of us would sometimes kind of go up there and hang out. And on the roof of the building, they had one of the mirrors uh, for the old illumination show. And they had it, it was a big, gigantic, clean mirror. And it was like right above a head level. So you could theoretically sit on the roof and watch illuminations. Now, I'm not saying I did or I didn't, but I'm saying that was available at the time. So when when I would train, we would go up there and I'd be like, this is the roof, but don't sit up here when their lasers are going off or, you know, fry your, fry your eyes. Uh, so a lot of different things were hidden around that ride. The other thing that was hidden around that ride was, and I, I can't recall the exact show scene, but our maintenance team also um, kind of worked with, uh, or they kind of flip-flopped between the land maintenance team, or I think they worked together, um, but somewhere in the ride, and gosh, I wish I remembered what it was. I think it was a mystery story, but so the, the track is just a little bit elevated. It's just a little bit above the ground, maybe like a foot above the ground, and then you were basically in a track well, you know, so it felt like you were on, on level with the, the show scenes, but you were a little bit elevated, and underneath they had these you know, grates that would either water would go through or, you know, you could open it up and you could get underneath the ride if you needed to. And in one part of the scene, there was, they took a Bonnie Appetit, and I don't know if you remember what Bonnie Appetit was, but she was one of the animatronic hosts from the Kitchen Cabaret show at the land. And they took her head, one of her heads, and they stuffed it in the ride and they hid it in one of those wells and they put sunglasses on her. And she had a cigarette for a while and it disappeared in her mouth. But if you, if you leaned over just the right way, you could see Bonnie Appetit staring back at you in the face, and it looked like there's a woman's head in the middle of the traction. And I don't think anyone, any guest ever commented on it, at least they never did to me, but we always knew that there was a Bonnie Appetit hidden within the Journey to Imagination ride. Um, there's also another scene that's that uh, is a um, urban myth. Uh, there was a specific sound of once these fireworks went off and it spelled out the word surprise, it basically said a uh, demeaning tone about Mickey Mouse and, and it sure sounds like it and I won't repeat it for anybody here so it's up to you to find and there's enough recordings out there where you can figure it out uh, but I, I think the really the it sounded pretty pretty intentional so I always wondered to see if that was something that they did and I could never get a straight answer and I've had a lot of friends who um, did worked in sound design for Epcot and the parks so they never they never gave it up but uh, if you listen where it says surprise and there's some fireworks it's uh it's up to you gang see if you can find it the other thing I'd love to talk about with journey and imagination is uh, the back of the ride so the back of house area so I don't know if you know this, but for all the, or at the time, in about 1995, the all the 3D shows, all the glasses, whether it be um, at Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, or um, even uh, Animal Kingdom was was in was being 
developed so that so it's tough to be a bug was in development it wasn't open yet but it was in development oh yeah i remember seeing those those goggles uh, anything that was 3d the goggles were cleaned uh at journey into imagination there was a big area in the back a big like warehouse looking building that's uh kind of the last piece of the building if you're looking down at google maps it's uh it's to the back left almost towards canada and that uh, that had this huge machine. It was like a conveyor belt. And this lady who used to do it, that was like her job. So she had been with Disney since like 1972. She was totally like had the most seniority and she could do whatever she wanted. And so she would always pick her shifts, basically, uh, you know, four 10 hour days or, or five eight hour days. Uh, in the back cleaning the, the glasses so you'd put them you'd stack them and there were like 200 glasses to like a, a, a tray like you would see at the airport like at the security of an airport and you would put it on there and it would wheel into this like really hot steamer and it would take like 10 or 15 minutes and then it would come out and they would be totally brand new, new glasses so if anyone ever says that we don't clean the glasses or disney doesn't clean the glasses or they just start with new glasses all the time that's bubkiss they i've seen it happen and she was like the coolest old lady she like didn't take shit from anybody and she there's no magic left with her and it was amazing she was such a great person and there used to be this massive box like huge huge maybe like five feet deep and like four feet across that had broken glasses in them because people break them all the time people would pop out the polarized lenses or they'd bend the sides and when that happens, you basically throw them in this box and then they get recycled. They get melted down and, and remade, uh, so they get recycled. But uh, there was a time where uh, I was down there on a break and for fun, I basically got into the box and dug my way in and covered myself up. And uh, a friend of ours came down and she was on break or she was having a cigarette break or something like that. And <laughs> all of a sudden I popped up. <laughs> It scared the crap out of her. Glasses went everywhere, and, and uh, little to my knowledge that a her, our supervisor was with her, and uh, of course got another little talking to of you know professionalism at the workplace. But uh, if you can't enjoy what you're doing, then, then don't do it. Uh, so uh, <laughs> so much fun back there. Uh, that was a fun. A fun time. Any chance I could kind of work backstage, I always liked working backstage or just hanging out backstage was fun. There was a time when I was on break and uh, I was outside having a cigarette because I was young and stupid and smoked cigarettes at the time, which I do not anymore, but I was out there smoking a cigarette. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but for VIP tours, there uh, sometimes with the tour, if the VIP is, is famous enough they'll they'll put the vip in a van and they'll drive them around perimeter road it's basically backstage that goes all the way around epcot so they don't have to walk through the park like magic kingdom they can basically be whisked around hop on a ride hop off see what they want to see and and uh and it's it's just much easier for everybody to to deal with that so i was in the back having a cigarette and this is a a gate that is just to the right of the bathrooms at Journey Imagination. So if you're looking at Journey Imagination, you look to the right, there's a little alleyway. There's like grass on the right, there's an alleyway on the left, there's Journey Imagination. And they, um, if you go through that gate, there's a, there was a, a picnic table and I was outside having a cigarette, you know, really not thinking much about anything. And a van pulls up, white van, 
which signified VIP tour guide. And out walked this, out stepped the VIP tour guide who was in their tartan vest, well known. You know, you can see him in guest relations or in VIP tour guides, but they wore those tartan vests. And she kind of gave me this look like, you shouldn't be smoking. Not because I, it's bad for you, but because I've got somebody in the van. And I was like, I was 18, I didn't care. I was on break. No one's going to tell me what I can and can't do. And so she walks on stage to go talk to the manager to you know get the guest on the ride as easily as possible. And uh, so I'm sitting there smoking a cigarette. All of a sudden the door, passenger side door opens or the back side door opens and out walks this little man and he kind of walks over and lo and behold, it was Robin Williams. It was Robin Williams. This guy's, you know, he's my everything. I, 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 I love Robin Williams. I, I'm such a hero of mine. Lo and behold, out rocks, walks Robin Williams. Harry, by, by the way, the man is Harry, uh, but uh, I didn't care. And, and so he he stepped over and he kind of looked at me. He didn't say much, but he saw me, you know, because we were right probably 10 feet from each other. And he goes, looks at me, he looks at my cigarette and he goes, you know, those things will kill you. And I stopped. I looked at him and I said, so we're working here. <laughs> you know, this is nothing kind of young, dumb stupid kid and he looked at me and he paused and he said that's funny and I was like it was like a freight train ran me over I I couldn't even move I did I was I had an out-of-body experience Robin Williams just said something said something that I said that was funny he said something that's funny to me or that I said something for him and it was is that thing that just well it's like it happened yesterday you know that's those are the types of things that just sit there and make it all worthwhile the long hours the standing and please stand watch your step and hitting that button at dreamfinder school of drama to hear robin williams say that i said something funny just when i wasn't even trying to be funny was amazing and uh that was probably one of the greatest experiences of of my life. So I think I'm going to leave it on that note. I have talked a lot about the ride, a lot of the backstage stuff, and a couple stories about my experience at Journey New Imagination. Uh, I'd love to, next time, talk a little bit more about the attraction itself, my experiences there, and talk to you a little about how they shrunk the audience and uh, kind of talking about how we uh, used to sit outside during illuminations and watch the crowds go by and as well as just understanding the attraction lifestyle is way different than the merchandise lifestyle so I hope you come back and listen to the continuation of this podcast this episode and again if you have listened to the first two thank you so much guys I'm really enjoying this and if you haven't Go back and listen to them and tell me what you think because I I, I like doing these a lot. So I hope you come back for the thrilling conclusion of what it's like to work at Journey to Imagination, Honey, I Shook the Audience, and all the other uh, fun, exciting things that happened during my stint at Epcot. So again, hope you're enjoying this, guys, and I'll see you next time.